Thank you for joining in on our Brave Enough sermon. If you want more information about the church, go to www.myuturnorlando.com for more information on events, times, and service. We love you guys. See you next time. Amen. Well, me and my wife, we just flew in, actually, uh, from Chicago at 9.30, and then we just raced over here. We didn't make a pit stop at the balance. We were a seven-minute break. But we came all the way over here, but thank God that the impact team, without us being here, set everything up. We didn't have to be here or anything like that. Come on, give the impact team a good hand. Amen. And uh, unfortunately, we did have some technical difficulties, so if you noticed that the worship was a little different, that's the reason why. We just had to make it happen. Everybody say, make it happen. Make it happen. And we're going to stop worshiping Jesus, right? We're just going to keep on going forward. We'll play the song on YouTube or whatever. But we're, gonna, we're still going to love Jesus, amen? And so uh, hopefully that gets fixed by next Sunday, which it will. I'm confident that it will, but it so let you know that was, we had a little technical difficulties. But what I'm excited about, and my wife is going to get more on announcements on this, uh, but I do want to emphasize this because it's one of the biggest events that we have is our Hope Fest. Everybody say Hope Fest. And you're going to hear it again after the message. Our Hope Fest is such a big, big event for us. We're going to be giving away uh, 300 hook bags. We're going to be giving away school supplies. We're going to be giving free haircuts. We're going to be having a lot of fun. It's going to be a three-hour event. You don't want to miss it. Also, you don't want to miss the opportunity to serve in this event. Uh, so if you're able to take off for this event, uh, if you work, that would be so appreciative uh, of you doing that uh, because there's going to be a lot of people going through, and we just want this to be an amazing event. We want to be able to bless people. So if you want more information on it, the, the, the stuff is on the screen. It's from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. July 31st. The people that are going to be serving will actually be meeting here at 9 in the morning just so that we can get some instructions and stuff like that. So you don't want to miss out on that, okay? So uh, please, if you're able to serve, please serve. We need as many people as possible. Amen? And the great thing about that is that the YMCA, we're partnering with, up with, with the YMCA, so they're going to be helping us out with that stuff. And so... Uh, we're so grateful with the, about their, for their partnership and stuff like that. So, uh, Also, if you have friends that might be interested in serving, they don't have to be people that go to church. They just have to have a heart to serve. And uh, they might open up a door. They might give away a book bag. It's very simple things. So if you have any friends that might be interested in just serving their community and helping out people, please let us know. And uh, we'll give them the same information we just gave you. Amen. Amen. Right now, we're going to have somebody come up. She's actually one of the people that came with us from Chicago. And uh, before we came to Chicago, uh, we were running a, a mentorship program. And she was a part of that mentorship program for four years, three years as a student. And then the fourth year, she was actually a part of our staff. And then when we started telling people that, hey, we're going to be starting a church in Orlando, Florida, she was all in. And so she drove with us, you know, we had some difficulties getting here, but praise God we got here, her car broke down a few times. But she didn't stop, you know what I mean? She could have turned around, you might give up, you know, had AAA send her right back home and leave her car wherever it was, but she didn't. She's still here, amen, come on, give her a good hand for that. So right now, just give her a good hand as she makes her way up, Brianna, Ayala, she's going to be preaching today. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. Wow, thank you so much. Hold on, y'all. Let me get my life together. Okay. Well, first off, I think I turned off the mic. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Testing, do you hear me? Okay, good. <laughs> All right, thank you, Pastor Richard, for that introduction. That was 
First off, like even when someone introduces you, you can't even believe that they're talking about you. Like I can't even believe that you're talking about me when I think about what I went through. Y'all, he's not joking. Like I had my car. Don't ask me how old my car is. First of all, but my car kept on just shutting down every path of the way. But we're gonna get into that a little bit more. Um, but first off, I just am so thankful to my my pastors here. I was about to say parents. They're like spiritual parents to me, but my pastors here, your pastors, they're amazing, amazing people. And I just thank you so much for allowing me to um, share the pulpit with you this Sunday. Um, and, you know, first and foremost, just a big thank you to God because, y'all, if you know me, I am not qualified to be here, nor should I be standing in front of you or at a church or pioneering one with pastors who have been in it for years. I'm not qualified. But that's the best part about God is like, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> so, so that's why you see me here today. So I just thank you, Pastor Richard, for that. Um, and the Lord, before we go in, we're going to just pray real quick. So everyone bow your heads and reverence to the Lord. And Father God, in this moment, I completely surrender myself to you. I lay down my agenda, I lay down my words, I lay down what I studied, I lay down what I want to say, and I pray that it be all you, God-filled. Lord Jesus, let your voice speak through me, Father, that they almost don't even see me, that they just hear your voice from God. And anything that is making us nervous today, not just, not just the speaker, but also us in the, in the pews, in the chairs. I know how it feels like to be in the chairs just nervous. Nervous about life. Nervous about what's going to happen after I leave these four walls. Because church makes us feel better. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that after this word, Lord God, that each and every person here walks out knowing that you walk out with them, Lord God, that they can completely have victory over their day today, no matter where they go, no matter where they're at today, Lord God, that you're going to take care of them, whether they're in the church or out of it, Lord God. Let us be the church wherever we walk. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so today um, I... I'm going to be speaking on the topic, moving on a maybe, moving on a maybe. Now, when I was coming up with this, um, I was thinking to myself, you know, this sounds really cool, like it rhymes, like it sounds dope, you know, moving on a maybe. And then um, I, I went to my class, I was like, yo, I'm going to talk about moving on a maybe, it's going to be great, it sounds like it rhymes, it's going to be cool. And then, as I started to think about it, I was like, oh man, I gotta tell these people that they gotta move on and maybe. Now, that sounds scary when you think about it, because there's no, there's no assurity in that. It's very uncertain. It doesn't sound like it's planned either. It doesn't sound like there's much structure or strategy in that moving on a maybe. But can I tell you that a lot of my life has been, when I met the Lord, has been saying yes to me. It has been moving in directions blindfolded. It has been not knowing what's the next step or what's going to happen. It's, it's going to Florida in a 2,000-year-old car. That that has been my life ever since I met the Lord, and it might sound scary. I get it. But today we're going to be talking about moving on a maybe, moving on uncertainty, moving when it's not clear, when it doesn't feel good, when you have no instructions, but you move anyway. What do we call that? When you think of doing something 
even if you don't know how it's going to turn out. What, what would we call that? What I call that, what, what you said? Anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> That's true, anxiety. Y'all can yell it out. What do you think when you think of moving on a navy? What do you think? Moving blindly. Moving blindly. Cautious. Cautious. Right. What, what was that? Faith. Faith. All are right. All are correct. But I'm going to bring it, hone it into its obedience. Obedience. It is a, the act of obedience that calls us to move even if we don't know what's on the other side. Like that. Because that thing. It's like doing something, even though we don't know what's on the other side. That is obedience. We're going to be talking about that. Um, and I moved plenty of times on these, like I said. Plenty of times on these. And, and sometimes, you know, we want a yes. It needs to be a yes. Or a no. You know, when we pray, that I hear this a lot. I say this a lot. This is me. I say, God, I, I want this. Just tell me yes or no. Okay, cool. And what happens when God's like, well, try it out, see how it goes. Not that he doesn't have a plan, not that he's, he's um, everywhere about it, or doesn't have a, a view of where you're going, but he wants to see if you be obedient. Be obedient to the call, right? And that could be nerve-wracking, right? And so... Obedience, most people don't get. Do you guys remember the third chair? The third chair last last Sunday we were talking about um, the three chairs, right? And a lot of the times Pastor Richard was talking about the third chair is like, I'm going all lit. I'm doing all I can to get where God has me, where he wants me to be. That third chair I was thinking about that third chair. I was dreaming about that third chair. I was like, God, I'm not sitting in that third chair. Because a lot of us don't get to that third chair because it causes us to be obedient. You know what obedience causes in us? For me, when I think of the Lord saying be obedient to me, I think of being vulnerable. And I don't like to be vulnerable. Right now, I'm vulnerable. And I don't like it. Right? Think of something that makes you vulnerable. Maybe your kids. Maybe your kids make you vulnerable. Right? Them going to school makes you vulnerable. Them uh, growing up makes you vulnerable. Getting a divorce. Vulnerability. Scary. Right? All these things causes us to be obedient and we never get to the third chair because God's calling us to be uncomfortable, right? In James 1, we could put that up. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So basically what I hear when I say that, when I, when I read that is, don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Right? In my in my master's commission, there was this, this guy who was a friend of mine. He would always say, be a doobie. Be a doobie. I'd be like, yo, stop saying that to me. Because it sounded funny. I was like, I'm too cool to be call, calling me a doobie. And, um, but he would always say that. And I admired how he took that, that verse and he applied it to his life. I would see this guy every every time he any chance he got, he was like thinking about what he just did yesterday, and he's like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. And he would fix it. He would fix it. He wouldn't just listen to the word of God. He'd do it, right? Be a duty, right? And so that's what that's what being obedient is all about. It's like, if I know better, I should do better. And 
God, even in me, has been talking to me about this. Like, breathe. You're not a doobie. I'm not sometimes. Sometimes I, I, I say I want to be closer to God and I want to do things uh, to glorify his name and I want to I wanna do all these amazing, I want, I want the fame of it sometimes. Sometimes, and I'm talking about myself, I'm putting myself in the road real quick. Sometimes I, I want, you want the spotlight, right? I want to look good, but I don't want to put my hands to the cloud. I don't want to do it. It was scary to move out to Florida, you know? I'm from New York City. I had no idea what I was telling you. I don't even like the heat. I don't. Like, I don't like it like freezing blizzard cold, but I don't like the heat. And I love a city atmosphere. Like, that makes me happy. And so when I was thinking about moving to Florida, you know what, the pastor's going to move to Australia. My calling was to move with them, but it was, I had to say yes to the calling and do it. If I know better, I have to do better now, right? And so that's what God had, was calling me to do, was, was to walk out in, in, in faith. Like someone yelled out, walk out in faith. It's a scary thing. Faith is a scary thing sometimes because it's, it's so unknowing. And, and you, can't, you can't put a finger on it. it. just You just have to move. And when God calls us to move, he, he causes us to do better. Today we're going to be talking about the book of Esther. And so I picked Esther because I think she's pretty dope. Like, she's pretty cool. She's a queen and all that, you know. I just, I love that. I see Esther, like, kind of like she's like this, and she's just beautiful and amazing, and nobody can touch her or talk to her. And that's what I thought she was, right? Um, she might have been at first um, until she had a call. A call to do better, now that she knew better. So let's go into the scripture, um, Esther 4, 15 through 17, if we can bring that up. And I'm going to read it. But before I read it, I'm going to give you some context. So Esther, she was the queen of Persia, right? And she um, ended up being a Jew, right? She was Jewish. And in this time, Jewish people were starting to be persecuted. Persecuted for one man's mistake. For one man who didn't like another man. And it sounds like the world, right? <laughs> for one man who didn't like another man, they got to kill them all. So that's like, okay, uh, today's 4th of July, right? That's like someone saying, man, I didn't like one American, I'm going to kill all of you. And that's pretty much what happened, um, what was about to happen. And so Esther, as a queen, her um, uncle tells her, hey, like, this is about to go down, and me and you were Jewish, bro. So you need to help us, because if we go down, you're going down with us. And she, she her, her, I'm going to read it, but... Basically, her, her reasoning for not wanting to talk to the king and saying, hey, please don't kill my people, is because you're not supposed to go talk to the king whenever you want, right? Even when you're a queen, like, that's not okay. So the, the uncle says, you know what, Esther? If you don't do this because you're scared, and I'm paraphrasing, okay? But if you don't do this because you're scared, then someone else will do it. But I just want you to know that this is your calling. Can you be obedient? Can you do it even though you're afraid? Even, can you move on a maybe? Can you move on a maybe? That's what he was asking her. In Brianna terms, that's what he said. He said, can you move on a maybe? And so Esther, in um, Esther 4, 15 through 17, she says, 
This is what happens. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, which is wrong, and said, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for them. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so what I heard from that was like, man, like, it is what it is. You know, I mean, if I gotta die, I'm gonna die. But this has to be done. If I perish, I perish. But I'm gonna still do it. I'm gonna still walk out what God has called me to do because I know better, so I'm gonna do better. That was scary. I don't think you'll ever hear me say, man, if I die, I die. I hope, I hope one day that I could be a woman of God that Queen Esther was to say, man, if I die, I die. But it is what it is. I hope one day that I can have the strength to do that and say that. I hope to God that one day be called upon my life where someone else's life means more to me than myself. I pray to God one day that my job doesn't matter that much to me, that I won't leave to go all the way to another country because God says so. I hope to God one day that I don't ever go back into drugs and alcohol because the call of God is more important to me. I hope to God that I continue the walk that I've been walking, even when people say, yo, you should really come to this party because it's going to be late. I hope to God that I can say, you know what, it's late, my Lord. You know, I hope to God that I can have that, that, that integrity and, and that assurance that even on a maybe, I'm going to do this. And so when I hear, if I perish, I perish, um, I hear, move on a maybe, girl. Just move on a maybe. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. I can't tell you. But I know that if you go, God will follow. God will be there. So, my first point is obedience is a choice. Moving is a strategy. Let me repeat that. Obedience is a choice. Moving is a strategy. Moving is a strategy. What is your strategy? What is your strategy? What do I mean by that? Esther had a strategy. She said, go gather together all the Jews and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days and nights. Um, you know, they had to be mad at just saying. But um, that was her strategy. It was like, yo, go get really, really hungry and thirsty. No, I'm kidding, kidding. But, like, you know, just go go and, and really submerge yourself with the Lord. Don't think about anything else. Go pray. That was her strategy. Even though it made them really hungry. And me and my attendants were fasting. So she said, I'm going to need people around me to help me with this strategy. So I'm going to need you, 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 and all the Jews, and the people I know, like the people on my side, like in my circle, they're going to be praying too. So my girls are going to be over here and going to be praying, and you're going to be over there with the Jews, and you're going to be fasting and praying for me too. And we're going to do this thing. Her strategy was, I can't do it alone. Right? Her strategy was, I can't do it alone. Let me tell you something. If your strategy is, I'm going to do this, you're not going to do it. Your strategy has to be, who around me can help me achieve this? And if you don't have anyone who you think of right now, I can, I can think of a few people. If you don't think of anyone, that's okay. I'm happy to say you are at the right place and the right time. You're in a church with people who will help you with your strategy. You're in a church that has you groups. You're in a church that has um, journey classes. 
That's a strategy all on its own. Did you know when you take the journey classes, you now are going into learning about not only yourself, but what God wants for you? You learn about your personality, you learn about your giftings, you learn about why you're here, what you're here for. After a while, sitting in the chair is going to get bored. After a while, doing nothing for God is not going to be fulfilling. What is your strategy? And who is helping you get there? If our church can help you get there, we would love to. If you have other people, or online right now, if you have people in your life who are helping you through this, let me tell you something. They have to be people who are like-minded and have your vision. Because people will make a strategy for you that is not conducive to what God has called you to do. They will have a strategy for you to go left when God has called you right. And they will give you all the instructions on how to get there, but they don't know how to get you to where God called you. And that's not a person I'd want to follow. I have. I've actually been that person who has thought something that someone should do something and not, not even prayed about what my friends should be doing. I've been that person who has led someone astray, not, not intentionally, we don't do it intentionally, but I wasn't like-minded. I didn't know the things of God. When I was saved, I, I had no idea what, what a person who loves the Lord should do. So let's take that advice from people who are like-minded, who are walking in, in Christ, who want to see us together. This is a strategy. Your strategy is to get you around people who love you, who, those you groups that change, even changing living arrangements. Can I tell you something? When I went to Master's Commission, there was no way I was staying home. There was no way I could, I love you guys, but there was no way if they're watching this, my mom, she's probably watching this. But there was no way I could stay home. That was not a strategy for me. That was not a strategy for me. That was going to take me down the wrong, the wrong place. Because at home was drug, alcohol, uh, more drug, alcohol, gang sex, murder, more drug, alcohol, gang sex, murder. It was just constant cycle. And that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the right plan for me. Maybe it's forgiving. Maybe your strategy should be forgiving. Maybe I can't be obedient to what God has called me to do until I forgive someone else who has hurt me. Maybe I should be asking for forgiveness. Maybe this is my strategy. Going back to school, getting a career, having new opportunities, dreaming again, man. When was the last time that you dreamed? That you dreamed about something that you feel is not achievable. When was the last time you gave that to God and said, I'm going to choose after it? Maybe asking for help. Do you ask for help? Or are you too, you too tough to ask for help? Man, listen, I'm too tough to ask for help. Often. And I have to learn not to be that way. Because if you do not ask, you will not receive. But, on the other hand, if you ask, you shall receive. It's that simple. We make it harder than it needs to be. My second point is, and then these points are for those who take notes. I've been seeing you guys take notes, and I love that. Y'all have a phone, too. I know it has notes because I have an iPhone as well. So if you want to take notes, you are welcome But my second point is, it is what it is. Everybody say that with me. It is what it is. That's right. So what that means? That means you could plan in striving to be obedient, but sometimes things just happen. Things just happen. I'm not saying that when you move on a maybe and don't, don't know where you're going, that it will always get you um, a, a yes, and it will always turn out exactly how you... Y'all... For those who know, who have been living life, you know that 
it's not always black and white that way. I'm not saying that God's going to send you down the wrong path, but what I'm saying is that sometimes when the doors are closed, even on our maybes, that that's God's plan all along anyway. Sometimes his plan was that closed door. Sometimes God's plan was that no, even when you thought it was a yes. Sometimes God's plan was that maybe turned into a maybe not. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe so. Maybe. Who knows, but God is just asking us to be obedient in a time of uncertainty and not knowing where we're going, right? You know what? This is how I see it. God, God's uncertainty, I mean, our uncertainty isn't God's uncertainty. God knows what's happening, even when the door is closing on us. You know why? Because there's a window that he's opening. There might be, there might be another door that he's opening, you just haven't seen it yet. Right? When I, when I stop drinking, when I stop doing drugs, when I stop partying and living with a boyfriend before marriage, I was getting abused. I was getting beat every day just because I didn't clean something. And it, and it was so scary. It was so uncertain. It was so uncertain to walk through this door, to say yes to God. And you know what I thought? I thought, if I go through this, if I, if I go to church, if I go to Master's Commission, like Pastor Richard was saying, if I get more into my word, that everything's going to be okay. You know what happened after that? I had a lot of scars. I had a lot of healing to do. I wasn't the best person. I, I thought I was like this great person. I wasn't. I wasn't. There was a lot that came with saying yes and obedient and being obedient. But we have an idea of what our yes is going to look like. Sometimes our yes doesn't look how we thought it would be. Sometimes it is a lot of healing. And you know why you don't get to that third chair? Because you're not willing to heal. You're not willing to go through it, go through the fire. You know, um, I've been around a lot of drug addicts in my life, a lot of my family, a lot of my friends. And um, my mother, she's actually, she's, thank God, she's off the drugs, and she's been um, off the drugs for a good two years now, year and a half, she's been, but something like that. Um, and she had to go through detox. Y'all know how hard that is? My mom, like, ran away from this place because she didn't want to detox. That's how hard this place, this thing is to detox. Because everything in your body is telling you, you can't do it. Everything in your body is telling you, run the other way. Everything in your body is telling you, no, not maybe, no, absolutely not. We're not doing it. You can't do it. And even though she checked herself in to get detox, everything in her body is telling her to flee. And that's what moving on a maybe is all about. It's like, are you going to stick in it and come out on the other side? Most of us, we're like that person who's going on detox. Right now we're detoxing. And most of us run. And you know why you don't see people in church after a while? It's not because church is not cool. It's because they don't want to detox. Because that's what the church is. We help detox. We, have, we should have more former drug addicts in here than we do people who never been in the streets. Now, I'm not saying nothing about that, okay? If you've never been in the streets, that's awesome. Amen. But we, our goal should be that people who are detoxing, that they're here. That they're here. That we're teaching them how to not run away. And so, you can plan to be obedient, but sometimes things just happen. 
Esther said, I will go and tell the king after we execute um, after we execute the strategy. And if I fail, it is what it is. So her, she's saying, I'm going to go. And after I do my strategy and, and I do what I, I said I'm going to do, and it still doesn't work, it is what it is. She was able to go through that detoxing process of that pain, of all that those insecurities. And she said, and if I make it out of here and I'm not alive, it is what it is because the calling on my life was so much more important. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, I like it, what it says in the message version. It says, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright again. So for me, I think that, I think it's kind of foolish to think that, that God's will for our lives is, is um, that even when, when God's will for our life, that is grander that we can hope for. And sometimes, when we don't see the full game and plan, we believe there is none. And I think that's foolish. That's very foolish of us to think that God doesn't have a plan just because we don't see the end of it, just because we don't see what's coming next. That's foolish. I'm foolish. I think that often. You know, there was um, a time where on our way here to Florida, um, my friend, Kim, she was sitting on the side of me. She was in my my um, passenger seat, and we were coming to Florida together. And when Pastor Richard tells you that every stop that we made was not like for food, it was not to like use a bathroom, it's because my car broke down. So um, every single stop that we made, my car was breaking down. Y'all, my car, the wheel in the back, it popped on the highway. I can't make this up. It popped on the highway, and I started like, <sighs> and I got to the side somehow, but I was in the middle of like a highway, traffic cars coming, and I got to the side, and um, I remember thinking, okay, I knew that this was going to happen, I knew that it wasn't going to work out all the way that I thought it would, I'm going to be obedient to my maybe, it's fine, right, so that happened. Then the car broke down again, and it was a little, a little like, like, monitor or radar, something, something, I don't know cars, y'all, but if something stopped working, and so we got to the side again, the whole car shut off, so we got, I don't know how, but we got to the side again, and I remember thinking, okay, I know that what God said is true, I gotta get to Florida, it's fine, I'm gonna just stop here, but we're gonna get there. On the fourth time, y'all, the fourth time, I remember just sitting in my car, and I started crying. And I just started crying. And I said, God, I can't do it. I can't get there. I need to turn around. And I told Kim in my, my passenger seat, I said, girl, I can't do this. I'm sorry. You're going to have to get someone here who can drive you. Maybe you could get the pastor's car somehow. Squeeze yourself in there. I don't know. I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to do this alone because I can't go. And I remember her looking me right in the face and she said, you need me to drive you. I'm going to drive you there. So she said, got out of the car. So I got out of the car. And I got to the side, into the, the passenger seat. And she drove me all the way to Florida. Because I had someone with me who knew the plans over my life. And she knew the strategy, like Esther's people. She knew the strategy that I had and she was able to fulfill it in my life. And figure it out for me. I'm going to be closing up, but... My last point is, move on baby. Just move. Just move. On the side of me, you see some letters. Move on a baby. I'm going to move this out. 
Y'all, this is what masters do. I, I did a lot of heavy lifting in the master's condition. But move. You know, when I was a little girl, I was born with a heart condition. I had four open heart surgeries in my life. Since I was a little baby, they started when I was about six months old. Operating on my chest, open me wide up. You talk about vulnerable? You want to talk about a surgery? I don't know. My whole life, people telling me, you won't live till you're 18. You're not even going to live till you're not. And don't think about your prom. Don't think about weddings. Don't think about having kids till this day. Till this day, I was told that even before I started living, that I was going to die. None of our paths are pursued. We all have uncertainties in life. We all don't know what's coming next. For me, move. The E represents endure. Just living meant I had to endure. Just waking up meant I had to endure. I had to endure my chest feeling like it was in a cave in every single day. Still having to breathe. Do you know what it's like looking at your mother every single night, day, hoping that she doesn't feel sad because you're in pain? Being strong for someone else? I didn't know if I was going to live the next day. Move on to maybe anyway. V, for me, stood for vulnerability. Most people don't move because it's scary. I couldn't move because I physically couldn't breathe. Move on to maybe anyway. I was vulnerable when they told me, you're going to die at 18. It's what they're saying when they say, hey, I don't know if you're going to make it till 18. What you are saying to me is I'm going to die before I'm 18. Move on a maybe. You know what happened when I turned 18? I became a Christian. At 18, I put myself into a master's commission program that changed my life forever. Move on a maybe. Oh, for me is opportunity. Opportunity. It's the opportunity. When they said I won't live till 18, when they say I won't have children, that's an opportunity to show them wrong. That's an opportunity to shut them up. You have an opportunity. Someone has told you you can't do something. You have an opportunity. Someone told you that you will never walk. Someone told you that you can't do it, that you're not strong enough. Everyone here has an opportunity to shut them up. Move on, maybe. And M. Mistakes. There's plenty of mistakes that you're going to make while moving. There's plenty of mistakes that you're going to do. You've done them already, you'll do them again. That's where God's grace comes in. That's where God's grace came in for the Jews. When Esther said, I'm not scared. No, I'm scared again. You are scared. You think that you can't, but can I tell you something? If you perish, you perish. You move on maybe anyway. Now, now that I know and I've experienced moving, moving and living and breathing and doing it anyway when people said I couldn't, when I, I, now that I know I can be obedient, even though I don't know where I'm going, even without a yes or no, I'm going to make my maybe. I want everyone, if you can, just stand up with me.
And Father, I know that all of us here, all of us here are afraid. All of us here are afraid to endure, to be vulnerable. We're afraid of opportunities. We're afraid of making mistakes. Lord, even as I spoke today, I made tons of mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to be vulnerable. Lord, right now, I feel everyone here, everyone here has an opportunity to endure the path that God has given you. Father, I pray that we learn to endure. That there is something in our hearts right now that is tugging at us. Someone in our head right now, a voice that is telling us we can't do it. Father, with every ounce of fight there was in me when I was a kid, fighting for my life, I plead that strength over them. I plead that strength over them right now. Because someone said, you won't have kids. Someone said, you won't have that career. Someone said, you won't be a Christian. Look at you and what you've been through. Someone said, look at how you dress while I'm up here in jeans that are ripped. Someone said, you can't do it. I'm here to tell you, you can do it anyway. Father, for those who are hearing my voice, yeah. under the sound of my voice, Lord God, I pray that they move on a maybe, that they be obedient, that they sit in that third chair anyway. Father, we're tired. We're tired of saying we're going to do it one day. I pray that we be the Christian woman and man of God that you called us to be today, not tomorrow, Lord God. So if there is people we need to get rid of, get rid of them. If there is things that we need to do, help us to do it. Give us strategy. Give us people who will help us to endure, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. This time of reminding us that as we move, you are there. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, give her a good hand. And, uh, so right there where you're at, as they continue to play the music, you might be like, man, I, I didn't even know that that was her testimony. And there's more to her testimony. There's so much more to her testimony. And I'm pretty sure she's not going to mind me saying this, but yes, she does. She had heart surgery and all that stuff. And she told me a little bit of uh, how she was raised and stuff like that. But I mean, it was it was to the point where there was times where she would be sleeping on trains in New York City. Can you imagine that? And then you see her now preaching. And so many times, you know, if you've ever been on a bus or a train, you see a young person sleeping there, you never would think that somebody would end up preaching on a Sunday morning. You don't look at those kind of people and say, yeah, she, she's going to be a preacher one day. You don't look at a, a, a guy that might be sleeping on a train or a bus and say, you know what, that, that dude's going to preach one day, that girl's going to preach one day. That's the miracles that God can do. That is what God can do. Even if he has to take you from one city to another to be able to do it, that is what God can do. And are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. You're going to make mistakes. But while you make those mistakes, are you still going to have opportunities? God will still give you opportunities, but God is going to give us a choice whether we're going to go and seize those opportunities. And along the way, you're going to have to be vulnerable. 
You're going to have to be vulnerable, whether in a group or with somebody, because how many know life is hard? Life gets difficult. And when you start hearing people say that I had a heart surgery just like you, and I went through this stuff just like you, and I did drugs just like you, and I used to polite to love the party just like you, but Jesus set me free, and I don't have that desire no more. My friend, when you're vulnerable, something happens. You know what happens? You start getting endurance in your relationship with God. All of a sudden, when you start saying, talking to somebody that says, me too, have you ever met somebody like that? Yo, I had a, I had a, a bad relationship, and there's somebody that you look up to, and, and they seem like they're perfect in their relationship with God. There's all of that, and you're almost embarrassed to share that about your life, but then they say, me too. I was abused too. I had heart surgery too. I was sick too. I had bad parents too. I slept on trains too. You know what that does? That gives us endurance. But it does that testimony. It takes us to a place and we say, man, if God did it for them, God can surely do it for me. If God blessed him, God can bless me. That's why the testimony is so powerful. That's why you have to be born. God's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to be faithful. And when you're like so one day at a barbecue, at a party, and you're seeing somebody go through the same thing, and you share your story with them, all of a sudden, you breathe hope life today. Somebody say amen. So one of the things that you should leave here today after this message is that you should be like, man, me too. That's what Brianna was basically saying. You've been through this stuff. Me too. Your car broke down. Mine did too. You know what I'm saying? You have struggles inside of your life? Me too. But at the end of the day, she stood obedient. She was able to preach. She was able to speak the word of life over your life. So Father, right now, I pray for every single person, Jesus. I pray that you will move upon every heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they will see opportunities when they come. And I pray, Father God, that when they make mistakes, God, that they'll be able to cry out to you, God. And I pray, God, that you will get people around us so that they could be vulnerable and so that you could give them strength to endure, Father God, tonight or this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will use them to bring people, bring people by us simply saying, me too. I went through the same thing, but this is what God did inside my life. That's what you want to do. I just want you to simply lift up your hand. And I want to say a 20 second prayer. God, you see every single person, every single person with their hand raised. And I pray, Father God, you give them an anointing and a boldness to speak the gospel in every party, in every family gathering at every school, at every job. God, I pray, God, that at the moment that they step out in faith, that you will place the words on their mouth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a praise.